And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey guys, just want to take a second to talk to you a bit about Game Time. If you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard us talk about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. I was looking at the app the other day, actually. I was thinking about buying some Blue Jackets tickets, and the thing that I like the most about using the app is that when you click on the available tickets, it actually shows you a view of where the, the seats are, so you kind of get a feel for your sight lines how you would be viewing the game or the concert or whatever you're going to before you actually purchase the tickets to make sure that's the kind of section you want to sit in. I thought that was pretty cool. Now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you need to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account. Then under the Billing section, redeem code The Athletic. Use The Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money for tickets to concerts, sports, all types of shows. Credit is only available for the first 1,000 people who use this code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, just a couple weeks from now. So make sure you move quick and score those last-minute tickets. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4-6 to with A and B, your Ohio State podcast here in The Athletic, live from what city are we in, technically? Scottsdale. Scott, I saw somebody put a Paradise Valley dateline on a story. Well, they're wrong. From here. I put Scottsdale. We're in Scottsdale. We're uh, in my hotel room. Hotel room at the Camelback Inn. It's a villa. It's a villa. It's a casita, is what they call it. It's basically just a circular hotel room. It's nice though. This is this is a very nice hotel. Um, way nicer than you or I should be staying in. Definitely something I couldn't afford otherwise. But I do appreciate it. It's beautiful. It's probably a top five most luxurious hotel I've ever stayed in. The Fairfield in uh, <laughs> don't even finish your sentence, Bill. The Fairfield Champagne in Champaign Urbana. <clears throat> it's pretty sweet. There's a Fridays in the parking lot. Can't beat that. There is no Fridays here. There is no Fridays here. There's just like two five star restaurants. Um, do with that what you will, I suppose. Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman after uh, media day here for the Fiesta Bowl. We're we're two days away from kickoff now between Ohio State and Clemson. We got about forty five minutes to an hour. With the entire roster and coaching staffs of, of both teams, which is always nice. Sometimes these media days are, are limited to just starters or everyone in the two deep, and sometimes coaches don't show up. I think, if, as far as I could tell, uh, this was everybody on both teams and all the coaches were here, and I thought it was a productive day. It was an interesting day. There was some interesting um, imagery. There was a little bit of news 
that came out of the day as it pertains to Ohio State's offensive line. Uh, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, and Thayer Munford have all said that they intend on returning next season, and I think we can talk about that in a bit and what that means for Ohio State because that's kind of a next-year thing, but it is a big deal. But before we get to that, Ari, uh, I thought it was interesting the story you were kind of working on, the stories you were kind of working on today, and like the people that it took you to encounter around the room: Urban Meyer, Jackson Carmen, Dabo Swinney, all linked in a very interesting way. Um, I guess just talk to people listening a little bit about what it was like to be in the same room. Actually, side note: Brett McMurphy was also in the room, which I thought was interesting today yeah. too. Uh, we don't have to talk about that. If Tate Martell uh, was in the room, the universe you know, yeah, sort of exploded. I, I had, yeah, I'd be dead right now. Uh, speaking of Tate Martell, he's currently on the television as we're recording this. So if I get distracted, that is why Miami's playing Louisiana Tech. But you were talking. You talk with Irving. You talk with Jackson. You talk with Dabo for a couple of different stories you're working on. Just what was it like to be in the room with all three of those people, given the history? You know, it's funny because I had like a really good in with Urban today because I went to Salt Lake City for Christmas with my girlfriend to meet her family, and my girlfriend's brother married a Greek woman in Salt Lake City, and their family is. Uh, linked to the ownership of a major burger chain, right? And this burger chain hosted a bunch of like Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners for the Utah Utes when Urban was the head coach. And I walked up to Urban and said, what do you think of Crown Burger? We talked about hamburgers for, you know, five minutes. And he like knew exactly who I just ate Christmas dinner with. And it's just a small world. Did he have hot hamburger takes? He told me that I was a crazy person for not eating one. But in, I mean, it was Christmas dinner. Like I wasn't going to a burger restaurant, but um, it was it was just a kind of an interesting note of just like how weird. Like you meet a girl who's from Las Vegas. I grew up in Phoenix, and like I'm having Christmas dinner with a potential future family member who used to host Urban for Thanksgiving, and I cover Ohio State in Columbus, so, which is kind of like a parallel to like that that room. Five years down the road, Ari will be having Thanksgiving dinner with the Myers. Right, at Crown Burger. Um, But it was interesting because it it is so funny to me, and I I can't imagine a scenario where Urban and Jackson Carmen would be in the same room. Um, Oh, yeah. Again, like it's got to be the first time since he recruited him, right? Yeah. Um, And both of them kind of acted like they were unaware of the other person's presence, and it kind of reminded me of a wedding and your ex is another date. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he was honest about it. Urban, you know, said that. You know, he was really upset when Jackson decided to go to Clemson, but understands that some people want to go do their new thing in a new place. So, um, and Dabo Sweeney was the uh, 20 yard away from, it was 20 yards separating all three of them. And Dabo was the guy who sold Jackson Carmen on uh, the fact that Urban was on the downturn of his career. And he turned out to be right, even though what he said or supposedly said uh, had no merit in, in fact, it just kind of worked out to be true. So, um, the entire idea of Clemson stealing Ohio State's spot um, in the national spotlight after the 2015 season when Ohio State thought it was making the move that Clemson currently has made I think is a very interesting dynamic. And I talked to Brian Hartline about how he found a love for coaching while helping Ohio State prepare as a receiver <laughs> yeah. who, who was running routes in the building. And that's also in the story. And I just think it was just like a crazy – Dynamic, And you know what the number one takeaway for me is, Bill, hmm. is that the last two years, it's been now three years since we've covered a playoff game. Um, and we're back in the area or back at the bowl that like Ohio State belongs in. And that, and I didn't write this, but it's just when you're talking about top five programs in America, 
these types of coincidences happen because all of these programs are sipping from the same cup when it comes to talent, right? Um, and when you have uh, a bowl game against Washington or a bowl game against who was it the year before USC? Yes, USC in the combo. These aren't teams that are on the same platform as Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and some of the other ones that are in this playoff. So now once you get back into these rooms where these are the teams that you're competing against, these are the real teams that Ohio State's competing against, which is part of the reason why I feel like I was so harsh in the previous years from these non-playoff games, maybe a little bit too negative considering this team won a Big Ten championship game, but it didn't belong there. It belongs here. Yeah. Does that make sense to you what I'm saying? Like that that same air? Yeah, it does. It it struck me a little bit when we were – you kind of just like hang out in the lobby um, of the of the ballroom where media day is before the teams come in, and they give these teams special like sweatsuits for for the playoff, and the Nike logo on them is like it's like a diamond. Those sweatsuits look like something that you would like ascend to heaven in. Yeah. What are they? What is they, the material that those things like, are made out? of? They look like something that uh, like a cult leader would hand out to his followers. I know, and they would all wear. <laughs> Yeah, but they do look super comfortable. But the point is, it's like like this is different. Like it's the playoff when we realize the playoff is different. But everything about it is different. The, the air in the room is different. The, what the players wear is different. Their special clothes for it. The the media setup is different. Um, the the the, the interest hotel rooms. the interest <laughs> the hotel yeah the hotel is different. Although the combo is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, but it did it did strike me today as we were waiting there and we watched the buses roll up and then Clemson walked in and then they left and then the buses for Ohio State rolled up and all those guys walked in that like this is this is very different and and Ohio State does belong on this stage and it was weird in hindsight to think that they haven't been here since 2016. It's weird to me. Yeah. You know, and Ohio State had pretty successful seasons too. And I wrote this in my story but it's just like 95% of all college teams in this in the sport would kill for a conference championship. But missing the playoff for Ohio State is missing the mark. And when you miss the mark two years in a row, you're losing ground in the debate of who the best program in America is, which Alabama and Clemson clearly are right now, which makes this game very interesting to me. Yeah. How is Urban? I don't want to – Relax. I, I would encourage uh, everyone – uh, who is listening to this, and thank you for doing so. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you are listening to this podcast. And don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Still gets you 40% off, and you can go there to read the story that Ari is teasing at the moment. So I don't want to give you too much away. I don't want you, want you to give too much away, but we've seen Urban around Ohio State all year. He's here with Big Ten Network doing some stuff. It was actually funny. We were at practice on Tuesday. And it was at Notre Dame Prep High School in Scottsdale, and there's like a holding area, just a parking lot, where they make you wait until the, the team is onto the field, and then you can sort of walk into the stadium. So we were sitting there in a media shuttle, and Urban and his son Nate drove up in an SUV, and they pulled out to the security guard, and the security guard wouldn't let him in. He made Urban wait with the rest of Welcome us. Welcome on the other side of the rope, Urban. <laughs> that was hilarious. Welcome um, on the other side of the rope. But then Urban got to stay and watch the entire practice, and we got kicked out after 15 minutes. But it's in- it's just interesting to me that he's been around Ohio State all year, and we've become a little numb to the that idea. But the fact that he is now here – in the room where they did media day three years ago when his team ended up losing to Clemson in the playoff and never got back to the spot that he's around in this kind of environment. So what was he like when you talked to him? I thought he was very relaxed. Seemed happy. But, I, you know, we talked for five minutes or so, and we talked about Crownburger, which, of course, is the number one order of business. But, yeah, we you know, go, there. We, uh, go Google it right now while I'm talking. We're gonna, we, the new goal for 4 to 6 of the A&B, do a podcast with Urban Meyer about – cheeseburgers in Salt Lake It's today. a cheeseburger apparently that comes with pastrami on it. Go look. It looks incredible. But okay. um, That's what I'm doing the rest of this <laughs> um, He seems saddened 
at times where his eyes would gloss over a little bit when you talk about the 2017 recruiting class. Um, and I brought. Oh my God! I just love this burger. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> look at this thing. My goodness. Sorry. Yeah. Hopefully next year they play in the Salt Lake Bowl, huh? Yeah. I'd like to try it. But the uh, that was so funny. It's like Uncle Eddie from Vegas. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Excuse me, but they um. He knows what that 2017 class was, Bill, and I think that there is a part of him that regrets the fact that he couldn't see it through. And as much as he roots for Ohio State, and I genuinely do think he roots for Ohio State, I sometimes wonder if he ever has moments where it's like, this is my team, I should be here doing this. Because he's somebody who does care a lot about what people think of him, and another national championship on his resume would be a huge step forward in that continuing conversation of his lasting legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, But he looks happy, he looks healthy, he looks relaxed. I thought that he was very... um, excited just to hear about some things as stupid as just a restaurant that i you know know people that he used to eat with or whatever um but i also think that um there's a part of him too that wishes he could see all this through yeah yeah i don't doubt that i think that's human nature we've talked about that before but i'm sure on this on this stage it gets heightened seeing it though being back in this room because his last two years as ohio state's head coach he wasn't in rooms like this so i think being back in this room was kind of a for us it was visually Mm -hmm. like it was a it was almost like, wow, this is what it is, you know, because you couldn't really put your thumb on it. Yeah. And remember, I wrote a column two years ago, and I think that you even thought it was too harsh, but we got to the cotton ball. It's like, look at all this glitz and glamour. We're in an Omni hotel. They've got Papa shots and all you can drink booze and candy bars and, you know, all the same stuff that they have here. But I just felt like it felt like weird, like empty and like pointless almost. Right. Yeah. And you were sure. like, well, they just won a Big Ten championship and maybe you should rein it in. And sometimes maybe I should rein it in. But being back in this room was a reminder to me of what this team is supposed to be at or where it's supposed to be. And it's been a long time since we've been in that room. Even though we talk about it incessantly, we compare Ohio State to the teams that are in those rooms incessantly. Um, it was If it was a shock to our systems, I wonder what it was like for Urban to see these kids walk in with these the college football playoff uniforms that they were just like the, the sweatsuits they were wearing with the gold checks and you know, the playoff logo, and it almost looks like these would be $300 hoodies, you know? Yeah, and sure. everything about this was intense to me. And I think that Urban thrives in intense situations, and I absolutely think that him being in this room might have jolted him a little bit. Somebody texted me uh, earlier today after the media day was over and, and asked just, like, what I thought of, like, the vibe of both teams, which I thought was interesting. And Ohio State seems pretty loose to me. Yeah, they were playing Scrabble and Uno and laughing. I don't know. Like, I don't want to read too much into it because I don't think it matters all that much. But you have two teams here we joked about on the last podcast, like vying for which one can claim they're actually the underdog. And I don't really care about that. I think pressure to win is a thing that can impact the game or or, and can impact your demeanor or or how you enter a game. Ohio State seems very loose to me. Um, Clemson does not seem quite as loose. And they're the defending national champs. They've won 28 games in a row. They are the favorite in this game, even though they'll try to convince you otherwise. Um, For as much as this is the playoff and it's a big stage and there's a ton at stake, I thought it was interesting to just sort of observe the fact that that Ohio State's demeanor here does not really seem any different from what it's been all year. I think it's a credit to Ryan Day. We were at practice on Wednesday, and Ryan Day was like whacking guys with a tackling pad when they were running onto the field, and then the entire offensive line like picked him up and carried him onto the field, and it was like a bunch of grab ass, but it was fun, and it was a Christmas practice, and they were they were enjoying it. 
but I think it's it's a hard balance to strike to get your work done, prepare the way you need to prepare for a playoff game, but also bring a little bit of, a little bit of levity to the situation. That frankly, I don't know how much that actually existed whenever Meyer was the coach, and we've made that comparison before. But it was just a, a, a it was interesting imagery, I think, to to see sort of how Ryan Day's personality. I think that's is on the money. This team, I think you're on the money completely. Yeah. I, I uh, it was also honestly interesting of you know listening to Ryan Day you know talk at the podium for a little bit. Um, he said, "I'm not ready to see this team lose yet." You know, but then yeah. he went on to say, or I'm not ready for this to come to an end or say goodbye to this team. Which is what he said before practice on Wednesday. Yeah, and, and I think that's an interesting comment. But then later on he said, when I asked him about the story I wrote, he, he said, you win some, you lose some. And I don't think Urban would ever say that. No. I don't think Could you picture either. Urban Meyer saying the words, you win some, you lose some? Never. And I just think there's a more of a rational thought process to it, you know? And I think that there's an ability to compartmentalize the desire of wanting to win and the stakes that are, you know, at play here for this football game, but also not overstressing yourself out to the point where you feel like you're walking on a tightrope. Yep. And I feel like the team today does have nothing to lose. You know, and I wrote this after the Big Ten championship game, and I think you agree with me, Bill, but whatever happens from here is gravy for Ohio State. I mean, step one, year one, new head coach sophomore quarterback getting to the playoff is a massive success yep can this team win a national championship i think it can if it doesn't is it a failure no freaking way i think they've already achieved the 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 goal and i hope that the team for their sake isn't viewing it that way but i think from a reporter's sake and from a fan's perspective even if they somehow lose or you know, even get blown out by Clemson. I don't think they will. But, you know, if they lose the game in convincing fashion, I don't think that this season is a failure. I think they've accomplished everything they needed to. Yeah, it's almost weird. I don't know if I, I – I, like, the idea of, like, Ohio State somehow playing with house money seems like seems like an odd thing to say, but I, I tend to agree with you. I think if they were to get blown out, I, I, that would be different. But to go undefeated through 13 games and do what they've done this year when with a new head coach, a new quarterback, a totally new defense, and granted they are very talented. We, we established that at the beginning of the year. Um it's still a hell of a job they've done just to get to this point. Um, and we're not saying this, by the way, like to set up. We're going to give our game picks on our next podcast. Yeah, no no way, shape, or form am I saying this is a way of yeah. resigning my thought that, you know, Ohio State's going to lose or anything. I just think that we always put the season in perspective, and I think to put it in perspective, you have to understand where things are at. And I think Ohio State has already achieved the things they needed to achieve to feel good about the future of the program. Yeah, no, I, I agree totally. But I also, on the other hand, too, can understand being uptight because whenever – I think Alabama has been so good for so long that it has tricked people into thinking that winning national championships is an ordinary thing, and it's absolutely not an ordinary thing. No, it, it's not. It, it, it's, so, and Clemson has Even won it Clemson's a few times done. and has played yeah. it three times. And Ohio State played uh, in a national championship in 2015 and could be back. But this team is built to win one. And I understand that there's that there should be some pressure involved of things came together this year, eight quarters away from winning a national championship. Let's go get it done. Like that has to be the thought process. I'm just saying worst case scenario that if it doesn't happen, that that Ryan Day seems to me to be, especially with what he's done in the recruiting game, what he did on the field, the answer for, for moving on from Urban Meyer. And in, in reality, Bill, it's not supposed to be this easy to find the answer to replace a guy like that. Yeah. So Ohio State seems to be in a very good spot 
not only for this season, but for the future. And I think it's a good segue now. You're the host, but the, <laughs> the future of the line, you know. Yeah, so I, I was walking around on uh, Thursday working for the story that I'm going to run on Friday, at some point on Friday, about the interior of Ohio State's offensive line. I've been teasing that for a little bit now. So I, was, I, I talk with Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis and Jonah Jackson and Greg Studrawa. And like I'm embarrassed to admit that I never, it never even crossed my mind to ask, are these guys all coming back next year? Because that's typically something that I personally reserve to ask until after the bowl game. Um, so credit to uh, the people who are asking about it about it today. Uh, Spencer Holbrook from Little Monroe was the one who asked Wyatt Davis if he was coming back. And then uh, I saw the Columbus Dispatch, I believe, was the ones who wrote and asked Thayer Munford if he was coming back. So all three of them, Josh Myers and Thayer Munford apparently didn't even put in for grades from the NFL Draft Advisory Board. Wyatt Davis did, but Wyatt said he's not waiting to get his back um, to make up his mind. He said he's, he's made up his mind that he's, that he's coming back. Now, I don't think that grade would come back as a first-round grade anyway, but it could come back as a second-round grade. But if it does, that just tells you that Wyatt Davis can play his way to a first-round draft pick next year. So I think that would be a – you know, I'm not going to say right or, he's right or wrong for doing it, but it makes sense to me if you want to come back and try to be a first-round draft pick. But it is a massive, massive development. For the future of Ohio State, that it's not—it's going to bring back four of its five offensive lines or three of its five offensive line starters. The only guys who are going to be gone are Jonah Jackson, who's a fifth-year senior, and Brandon Bowen, who's a fifth-year senior, and there are natural replacements for both those guys. Harry Miller will be the starting right guard and/or center next year. I think he'll be the starting guard because Greg Shajara was asked about that, and he seemed pretty adamant, and Josh Myers seemed pretty adamant that he wants to stay at center next year. <laughs> Nick Petit Frere is a natural to step in and play for Brandon Bowen. Parrish Johnson will be on campus. He's early enrolling, right? Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't be totally surprised if he beat out Nick Petit to win the starting job next year. Either way, I think you're in a good spot there. And it's it, all the receiver talent, the quarterback coming back, Justin Fields. Running back, we're not so sure yet, but I think they'll be okay. To have that kind of talent committed to coming back on the offensive line is massive. It's. I think yeah. it's as big. I mean, the only thing that could be more massive for Ohio State is if Chase Young somehow decides he wants to come back, which isn't going to happen. Like this is the biggest development I think you could possibly have in terms of draft decisions for Ohio State. Right. I agree with you. It's crazy. You know, and it's just like the idea of if setting the foundation of the future. It's one thing to take the 2017 recruiting class that Urban Meyer built and you know ride it the wave to the playoff in the first year, but to set the foundation for multiple years of success while also accumulating talent on the recruiting trail means that Ohio State's a pretty sturdy program right now. Yeah. And it's not like I, I think we had this conversation like at the beginning of the Ryan Day tenure, but we thought, well, there's a chance that they'd be really, really good this year and then maybe take a step back in three years once the Urban Meyer talent faucet gets turned off. Mm -hmm. But like that's not the case right now. So to me, I think Ohio State, regardless of what happens here, is a favorite to make the college football playoff again next year. And they're going to have a junior quarterback that's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy next year in Justin he'll be, Fields. He'll be and, the priest's favorite. You know, the one thing I don't know if they're ever going to be able to replace is, is um, Chase Young or Jeff Akuda on the other side of the ball. Yeah. But those are guys that are naturally leaving because there's no decision to be they're made. They're top 10 yeah. picks. So yeah. when it comes to decisions, I agree with you completely there. Yeah, is it because they, they, needed, they needed some kind of bridge like this for their offensive line because I don't, I don't think they're ready to withstand – 
that kind of massive attrition. We got a question asked about it last week. Like, what if Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, and Thayer Munford all go pro, which is all possible. If they left, they'd get drafted for sure. You said uh, doomsday scenario, I think. Absolutely. They just, they just don't they'd, – they'd have to go into the transfer portal, I think, maybe maybe twice to find a couple of starters because I just, I just don't think they have the depth yet to, to build that up. And now you're talking about those guys all coming back for another year and then you project it two years down the road. It's like, well, they're obviously all going to leave, but then – you know, you could have Nick Petit coming back, and you have Paris Johnson for the next three years. You have Enoch Vimahi, who's not going on his mission anymore. He's going to be around, and, and he's developed quite well, according to Greg Sudrawa, and he could be a guy two years down the road. Ryan Jacoby, like there's all these guys, and some of the guys they've, they've signed in this current recruiting class, Luke Whipler, like there's – you can see it down the down the road, and that's – I think that's as important as, any, as, as anything to the health of a program, the long-term health of a program is – can you roll through offensive linemen every year and build up the kind of depth that Ohio State, frankly, hasn't had the last three or four years? And now these guys deciding they were going to come back is going to give Ohio State a really great chance to build all that back up and be in a great position for long-term success. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you believe all of them? You know, uh, That's the thing about this right if, now. If Josh Myers and Thayer Munford didn't even put in for grades, then yes. I think Wyatt Davis could end up changing his mind if he got a first-round grade, and it's certainly his right to do that. Um, but I don't know if we'll get one. Sometimes I'm very wary of like taking what somebody says and and spreading it around like it's fact, mm-hmm. which is like like it's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. You know, yeah. kudos to Spencer for asking the question, but I also know that things are different on December 23rd or 5th or 6th or 7th or whatever day it is. Yeah, it's after Christmas, Bill. It's been a long week. Yeah. Um, and doing it when the season's over, and all of a sudden there's a duffel bag of money on your floor. So. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just also would just warn people to not be completely stunned if one of them decides to actually leave. The thing with Wyatt Davis, and I mentioned it before, is like he's from a pro football family. They've, I'm sure they've had these conversations for years, and they have a plan in place. Um, if they think there's first-round money to be had, uh, I, I they strike me as people who would be pragmatic about that and try to go get it. Um I don't think the family is in a position. Some, you know, sometimes these guys are like, like their families are in a position where like I got to go pro. I don't like if I'm a fourth round pick, whatever. I got to go pro. My family needs this. Um, I don't. I don't think Wyatt Davis is in that position. So he has uh, an ability to wait, and I think it would behoove him to wait. But like I said, he could change his mind. I, I the thing about it, I watched. I watched the video with Spencer from Letterman Row. He said. I asked Wyatt Davis earlier, did you get your grade back from the NFL Draft Advisory Board? He said no, and then he just kind of left it at that. Spencer asked him the same question, and Wyatt Davis said no, and then Spencer said, like, well, are you just going to wait until you get that back? And then Wyatt's like, no, I'm coming back. He's like, I want it out there that I'm coming back. So okay. he was pretty adamant about it. It wasn't like, hey, are you coming back? Yes, I don't want to be a distraction. It was like he went out of his way to say it. Yeah, okay. So it's a little it's a little bit different. But I think it's a good point that you make that, that – you know, all these guys have have the right to change their mind, especially when it's a decision as important as this one. Jeff Halfley talked on Thursday for the first time since he took the Boston College job. You and I both spent some time talking to him. I think that's our batteries beeping. Does that mean they're ready or they're dying? That means they're fully charged for, oh, the, for the okay. next podcast. We um, got hot batteries coming out. What what was I offended Jeff Halfley today? But I didn't. You just thought I did. I thought you can. I didn't offend him at all, but it was funny. Because I'll, I'll, I'll say this: I what if I were him, what you would have said would have offended me, but it's also true. So now you can tell people what you said to him. I uh, I don't know if it's offensive, um, but I'm working on a story about how Clemson seems to be the exception of the rule when it comes to recruiting, and I wanted to know if Jeff Halfley could learn something from them um, in terms of 
elite recruiting classes turning into elite teams. And we got to talking, and I said, well, your job at Boston College is going to be more like what Clemson does in Ohio State, because I think Ohio State goes after the blue chips of the blue chips, right? Mm -hmm. And signs top five classes because they get the best players imaginable, and Clemson, and we're going to have some stories on this on The Athletic later in the week, has taken some low-tier three and some two-star guys that have turned out to be pretty good, Bill. And I just said, well, Jeff, you're shopping at Neiman Marcus right now when it comes to finding talent at Ohio State. And he goes, well, you don't shop at Neiman Marcus. And everybody laughed at me because I don't have (laughs) expensive clothes, I guess. And that was a really funny way of putting it. But I said, but now you're shopping at TJ Maxx. And you have to, like, sift through the the, the lines of clothes. And, you know, just because it's TJ Maxx doesn't mean there isn't nice stuff in there, but it's not Neiman Marcus. And you have to hard, work harder to find the deal. And he said, sometimes you can dip into Neiman Marcus and get a sale item, is what he added. <laughs> and I thought it was good, but it's, it's true. Um, and that's going to be the biggest challenge of whether or not he's successful. But I think the more important thing, Bill, is what you talked to him about, and that's how he's been able to manage juggling um, – trying to prepare everything for Boston College and also getting Ohio State in position to win a, cha- a championship, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what we've talked about all along. I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And, and Jeff Scott, who's Clemson's offensive coordinator, also spoke, I believe, for the first time today, or maybe it's the second time since he took the South Florida job, and he's doing the same thing. Jeff Halfley made it a point, and I, th- I thought it was a good one, that in the time he was in talks with Boston College, uh, there was an interview, interview in Columbus and an interview later in Boston that uh, you can actually go read about that process. Nicole Auerbeck wrote a really good behind-the-scenes story about Jeff's hiring process at Boston College on The Athletic. Um, he never missed anything for Ohio State. He wasn't in Columbus for like a day or two, but he didn't miss any meetings. He didn't miss any practices. He still actually did recruiting for Ohio State even though he was on his way out. And I thought that was a good point by him. He's he's dedicating all of his time during the day to Ohio State's game plan against Clemson. It's like it's almost like he's not leaving, other than the fact that at night he said sometimes when his family goes to bed and he's like other people would be winding down, he might do some stuff in terms of putting together a staff or, or contacting players and trying to get things moving as much as he can as it pertains to Boston College. But I don't think – he looked a little worn out. I don't know. He looked, looked a little tired. He made a joke about that when he was drinking his coffee at, at media day. Um, I didn't think he was quite as zippy as he normally is. But all these guys are burned out because this is tough work putting together a game plan for a playoff game. Um, I, I think he's okay. I think he's find a, found a balance for it. I think having Greg Madison around to help him and Matt Barnes with the secondary and now Washington and Larry Johnson um, is to his benefit. So I think they're good. I don't know. I I, I guess you know, I, was, I wasn't with him as much as you were because you wrote the story about it. Mm-hmm. What do you mean he was still recruiting for Ohio State? That's interesting to me. I don't know what that no, means. No, when he was on the remember he was he was in Lathan Ransom's Lathan Ransom's house two days before he took the Boston College job. Oh, I thought you meant after after he no took no. The job. But the one thing I did ask him, I said, I said you were going to these houses knowing that the, the potential for this was out here. Like, what was that like? And he said, like, I was honest with everybody. I told him if this, if I know this is going to happen, I'll let you know beforehand. And he he made the point that like he thought all these guys should still go to Ohio State, and he said the same thing that Ryan Day said. Like Ohio State was good before I got here; it'll be good after. Um, but then I asked him specifically, like, have you done or did you do anything to help Ryan with Clark Phillips and Cam Martinez? And he said, like, I don't want to talk about that that specifically. So I'm sure he did on some level. Somebody asked about Cam Martinez. I did. You can't say his name, can you? No, I didn't say the name specifically. Oh, okay. I said he mentioned the fact that two guys didn't like, sign. Because I want to know what he, what he thinks of Clark Phillips. He mentioned the fact that two guys didn't sign. 
I said to him, I know you can't talk specifically, but there are two guys yeah. who you recruited who didn't sign. Did you do anything to help Ohio State try to retain those guys in the time between you accepting the job? And mm-hmm. he said, like, I don't want to get into that. He said, I don't want to get into that, but I'll help Ryan and have helped Ryan any way he needs. So that led me to believe that he did. But I didn't ask him, like, hey, man, what do you, you think of Clark Phillips? I think that's all very interesting stuff, and I understand yeah. that he'd be kind of wary of, of discussing it in detail, especially because one of those recruitments is still ongoing. Still open, yeah. Um, but the Clark Phillips thing was a shock to me, and I think – being in Utah, and I went to a big fat Greek dinner the other night, and everybody was talking about him, and it was like oh, really? hilarious because it's just like these people are like, "You see that corner we got?" <laughs> and it's just like, "Is he any good?" Yeah, is he any good? <laughs> is he any good? <laughs> but yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> we said we were going to keep these shorter, so I think we'll wrap up there. I don't. Know, is there anything you want to add on just what your your takeaways from today, media day, and then we will come back with a show on the 27th at some point with our predictions and like one final game breakdown before Ohio State and Columbus are playing the Fiesta Um, Just that I'm not going to walk back up here again. My hotel room is in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I had to walk there for the podcast and I'm feeling a little under the weather, um, which I do every year during the bowl season. So um, I do think that I'll, I'll say this right now. I'm going to think long and hard about this over the um, over my next sleep. Mm-hmm. But I think that this game is a freaking coin flip. So uh, I, think I don't. I don't have any idea who's going to win right now. I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going so to be awesome. I think I, I haven't been this excited to watch Ohio State play a football game in three years. Yeah, but it's not even just that it's the playoff. The playoff help. Like these are two really, really good, good. I think evenly matched teams. I think it's going to be a really great game. Um, I agree with you. I'm not, I think I know where I'm going with my pick, uh, and I'll leave it at that. Um, and we'll give it to you in the next podcast. Speaking of under the weather, quickly shout out to our producer John Hayes, who is battling the flu right now but is still going to bring you uh this podcast through the magic of the internet so we appreciate john for hanging in there while he's dealing with an illness and uh we will be back with our game picks for the fiesta bowl high state versus clemson uh friday tomorrow tomorrow when's this going up i don't know what day what's today, today is today's the 26th friday tomorrow the 27th today's so. thursday Today's Thursday the 26th, tomorrow's Friday the 27th, so it'll probably be a quicker, quick-ish turnaround for our game picks and final game breakdown of Ohio State versus Clemson. We will talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 